I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I am your host. Two days, two hours a day, weekdays 9 to 11 o'clock, offering up a safe space to the independent thinker out there. You've got a ton to go through in the show today. Uh, I haven't even started, let's see, uh, just for this, probably the next five minutes, I think I've got eight tabs open on my computer, so uh, a whole bunch to get to today, and I'm going to come back and Anytime I make a mistake, anytime I say something inaccurate, I want to make sure that I jump out there and, and correct it as soon as possible. I'm not anybody who's ever afraid of being wrong, so I have a mea culpa that I will start the show off with today in just a second. We're going to get through a couple of quotes of the day today. There was a great meme out there, and it says, uh, what makes sex not rape? The answer is consent. It says, what makes a job not slavery? The the, uh, answer is consent. And what makes a transaction not robbery? Well, once again, the answer is consent. So what makes taxation not theft? And the answer is apparently magical fairy dust. (laughs) Yeah, anything else that you're forced to do, anything else that's taken from you at the point of a gun is considered a crime. Uh, For some reason, we have all been led to believe that this is just uh, through some level of programming, that taxation is just perfectly normal. Taking something from you against your will at the point of a gun, eh, it's, it's, legal. it's legal, it's legal, or it's encouraged. Uh, George Washington said, and I would imagine this quote is a couple hundred years old, and it was probably appropriate for its time. Uh, we may be resuscitating it. Uh, George Washington said, quote, the time is near at hand which must determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. Uh, Someone also put out another meme here. It says, Democrats want you to believe that you can't be happy unless they take money away from someone else. Republicans want you to believe you'll be happier if they are the ones doing the taking. I guess I should have put that one and the taxation one together. Uh, H.L. Mencken said, quote, Morality is doing what's right regardless of what you're told. Obedience is doing what is told regardless of what is right. And we've certainly seen a lot of that. Um, Libertarian Party, a couple of tweets out of them real quick. One of them, they said, The regime never actually saw the events of January 6, 2021 as a threat to their power. They just saw an opportunity to destroy more of your liberties. And then I'm going to read this. It's a little bit of a foreshadowing for a good chunk of the show today. The Libertarian Party tweeted out, The American people deserve to know how many politicians in this country are associated with the World Economic Forum. 
It's the Libertarian Party asking, the American people deserve to know how many politicians in this country are associated with the World Economic Forum. So we'll get to uh, <laughs> one of the World Economic Forum camels nose under the tent in just a little bit. Uh, but I wanted to correct something. I always try to come to the mic quickly when I've unjustly criticized somebody. And I said on Friday that the uh, the high priests of the COVID cult were screwing up by naming the new uh, variant of COVID the XBB.1, excuse me, dot five dot one, or as I referred to it as the XBB.5.1. Uh, they have tried some pretty lame marketing to get this going. And, and my point being, you know, if you really want to scare the people, XBB.5.1 you can barely fit that in a TikTok video, uh, but God knows they are trying. I don't know if you saw this yet. This is what what was on formerly late night comedy show, the Jimmy Fallon show. Uh, they're trying to step up the marketing game of the X point five point one, and this is uh, this is their their attempt. Get, get ready to cringe. This is Jimmy Fallon. Formerly known as a comedian, Jimmy Fallon. Now, what does he do? He does The Tonight Show. They felt the need to do this skit. There was Alpha, then Delta, then Omicron next. But this latest variant might be the best. It's XBB.1.5. Another friend of COVID-19 has arrived. It's a new strain, but it isn't the same. Sounds more like Elon Musk, his name. It's XBB.1.5. That is the sound of a man who has sold his soul. Uh, there's a lot of people putting out things the night that Jimmy uh, Fallon's comedy career died, and that was certainly one of them. Um, so, it, see, I even screwed that up. I thought it was it's it's XBB.1.5. I thought it was point five. But this is what I'm saying. The marketing on this thing is terrible. Uh Certainly, this is not a disease anybody should be concerned about, For but but for the high priests of the COVID cult, uh, their desire is fear. They've got to keep you scared. And XBB.1.5 just doesn't do it. Uh, I have said they needed to step up their game, and apparently they have. Now, this is, uh, this is in England. This is in the U.K. We'll see if the—maybe that's kind of like a focus group over there to see if they can scare the British citizens— uh, with this thing and we'll see if they roll this out here but at least they're trying uh, this is what i say I, I apologize i didn't think they had their crack marketing minds on the latest covid variant but i was wrong good afternoon it's wednesday the 4th of january 2023 just after one o'clock welcome to uk column news your host today myself brian Goresh, mike robinson and uh, we're delighted to be jo- joined by alex thompson uh bring us eastern approaches from the netherlands and our nursing correspondent Debbie Evans. 
We've uh, got a, a lot to cover. Yeah, so we started off Monday with, uh, with the new variant uh, of coronavirus, which uh, is being called XBB.1.5, but actually it's got a new name to make sure that everybody's particularly scared of it. So uh, it's got, it's, the new variant is called Kraken. So it's not Omicron, it's not Delta, it's Kraken. Uh, and uh, so uh, everybody should be extremely worried about being eaten by the sea monster. Uh, what more can we say? So there you go. They have named this one the Kraken. Now, I would imagine that this is just as scary as uh, Sidney Powell. Do you remember during the Stop the Steal movement where Sidney Powell said they were going to unleash the Kraken? Uh, this one will probably be just as effective as that one. But anyway, they have given it a name, so I wanted to, I wanted to apologize to them. They have stepped up their marketing game. I've got a bunch of stuff on this because the news, I, I couldn't ignore all of it. I saw a headline. Here's a headline, and I, you know, I don't know if Americans are even able to really parse through even headlines, much less actual information these days. Here's a headline. New York hospitalizations, six-month high. A six-month high. How long before we say the hospitals are the most crowded they've been in 10 days? A six-month high in hospitalizations. During January? How could it possibly be so? And, and what this tells you is that seven months ago, there were more people in the hospitals than now, but this is designed as another fear tactic. So these things are just going to keep on coming. Uh, here is an interesting bit of statistics from Australia. And I'm kind of leading into something because we've had a few deadly days, a couple of really deadly weeks for some young people out there. We're going to talk about those for a second. Uh, but uh, there is a... Uh, the uh, New South Wales government, their health department, has put out uh, information for November and December of COVID ICU admissions. Now, what they're clinging to on these shots is you won't be hospitalized and you won't get severe illness, right? And certainly you won't die. More about that in a minute. Uh, so this is uh, New South Wales. This is... Uh, they. They have, I believe, something like a 95% uh, vaccine uh, uptake. So here are their ICU. Uh, do you understand? Uh, I guess I should really. This is the uh, intensive care. ICU is the intensive care unit, I believe. So these are the people who have obviously got severe disease so bad that they need to be in intensive care. Uh, this was. Uh, these are the numbers. They had... Uh, Oh, I don't see the actual the total here, and I don't want to do math on the fly, but a few hundred people are hospitalized in the ICU with COVID right now. Uh, here's the breakdown of who is in the ICU uh, in New South Wales. Of all of these ICU admissions, the unvaccinated account for zero. Now, that's a little misleading because they are so heavily vaccinated. There's really very few people out there who are unvaccinated. But if you had listened to the high priest of the COVID cult over the past couple of years, you would think that, uh, you know, we remember the term, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, a winter of death for those of you who rejected the shots. Well, in New South Wales, there are zero unvaccinated people in there, although, again, there are very few unvaccinated people in this area. Of people who had taken just one dose, there were six people in the ICU. Of the people that had dutifully 
obeyed their masters and taken the initial two doses, there were 60 people in the ICU. If they were still unconvinced after the news came out that, hey, this thing doesn't stop the spread and it doesn't stop you from getting COVID, but they still decided to line up for the third shot. Of people who got the third shot, there were 95 people in the ICU, and those who have received four or more doses account for 173 in the ICU. I will summarize these numbers one more time. Of all of the ICU admissions in New South Wales, zero unvaccinated, six people with one dose, 60 people with two doses, 95 people with three doses, and people of four or plus doses, 173 ICU admissions for COVID. I'm just saying. That's a hell of a shot you guys got working on there. Uh, when I come back, we're going to take a look. It's been, uh, it's been a couple of rough days for a lot of people. Just the past few days. And I've got a I've got a theory. This is a this is a long shot. I I got a long shot prediction for you. We will see over the coming year. We're going to see exactly how badly they want to hide the adverse events from these vaccines from you. I'll talk about that when we come back. Stick around. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. All right, we are back. Uh, <clears throat> the medical establishment in the United States are just, uh, they're drug dealers, is what they are. And one of the things I'm maybe the only person you've ever heard on conservative talk radio who tells you what an abject failure and ridiculous exercise the drug war is, but what's always funny to me is, they spend hundreds of billions of dollars and years and years to take down the big drug kingpins. You know, they'll take down El Chapo. They'll take down, uh, what was the big guy's name? Uh, oh, I'm spacing on his name right now. But there's all these big investigations. They take years and hundreds of people and they mobilize the military and they take down one of these drug dealers. Drug flows never interrupted. Uh, right now they're experiencing a huge war between uh, the Sinaloa cartel and somebody else. Uh, because one of the, I think it was El Chapo's son was killed or captured, something. But these things, they, they never go away. They spend all of this time to take one guy down, creates a power vacuum. There's a there's a hundred guys ready to take their spot. And so why people continue to f support this drug war is really beyond me. It's an exercise in insanity and stupidity, but knock yourselves out. Uh, but the reason I compare that to our medical establishment is because we have the same situation here. Anthony Fauci is gone. It was maybe one of the brightest spots of 2023. Now you have to temper that with the idea that the U.S. taxpayer is funding his very opulent uh, pension plan to the tune of several hundred thousand dollars a year, but he is gone. Of course, they brought him back. Uh, CBS News, Major Garrett, I don't have the interview. It was disgusting. I don't want to listen to it. Uh, they brought him back of course, to respond to the DeMar Hamlin collapse on the field where Anthony Fauci had to come out to assure everybody it was definitely, definitely not, not the shot. Uh, but uh, just like uh, other cartels, you have to always be aware that there are other people waiting in the wings. And uh, I'm just going to tell you about this guy now. His name is Dr. Peter Hotez. He's been one of the COVID, the uh, high priests of the COVID cult 
for the past couple of years, but with the vacuum left by the El Jefe Anthony Fauci being gone, they're going to try to replace him. This is a video. This is a video that was sent out. This is done by the WHO, the World Health Organization. You're going to listen to Dr. Peter Hotez. We have to recognize that anti-vaccine activism, which I actually call anti-science aggression, has now become a major killing force globally. During the COVID pandemic in the United States, 200,000 Americans needlessly lost their lives because they refused a COVID vaccine. That is an absolutely, with no basis whatsoever. If there was any science to that, any, any actual documentation, wouldn't it be, you know, 201,050? No, it's 200,000. It these are just numbers pulled out of their corrupt butts. Even after vaccines became widely available, and now that anti-vaccine activism is expanding across the world, even into low and middle income countries, it's a killing force. Anti-science now kills more people than things like gun violence, global terrorism, nuclear proliferation, or cyber attacks. And now it's become a political movement. In the U.S., it's linked to far extremism on the far right. Same in Germany. So this is a new face of anti-science aggression. And so we need political solutions to address this. Yeah. Political solutions. <clears throat> that is, again, that's a World Health Organization uh, video that's put out. That's Dr. Peter Hotez. Uh, you're all terrorists. You're all a bunch of terrorists if you question this shot. Uh, let's look at what's transpired over the last couple of days. The sad news of the kid from Eight is Enough dying. I, I don't know what killed him. None of these people I'm going to be able to tell you uh, what has happened to them. But it's just interesting. Adam Rich, who was this child actor on Eight is Enough, had tweeted this out on July 24th of 2021. I am vaccinated because A, I trust, all caps, in quotes, science. Well, he should have put quotes around it. I trust science, and then there are seven exclamation points. And B, this is Adam Rich, the kid from Eight is Enough. He said, I am vaccinated because I trust science. And B, I care more about the lives of my family and friends, and even you, than my own personal free dumbs, D-U-M-B-S. Get vaccinated now, MFs. Praying hands. That's Adam Rich, uh, July 24th. He will not be tweeting this upcoming July 24th. He has passed away. Uh, this is an interesting uh, video. This is a CCTV. This is a Canadian news broadcaster um, who was reporting on something or other up in uh, Edmonton, Canada. Her name is Jessica Robb. Uh, just listen in. It doesn't really matter the context of what they're talking about originally. If it doesn't, the case can be referred to the International Court of Justice. All right, so Jessica, how do families of the victims feel about this progress that has come just a week before the third anniversary? Well, people we spoke with say they were happy that something is being done, but this is something that they've been asking for since day one. So for them, this is about a thousand days too late. Now, Nariman, I'm looking at, after the day, families are pushing feds to, pushing the feds to, sorry, Nariman, I'm, I'm not feeling very well right now, and I'm about to, okay, we'll come back to you right now, and we'll make sure that, Jessica, you are doing okay. Thank you. We will. 
And the camera shows her as they cut away from her as she is, her eyes get glassy and she starts staggering towards the camera. That's another Canadian broadcasting professional, you can rest assured. Uh, that is somebody probably who has been vaccinated, but we don't know what's going on. She was young and healthy. The girl looked to be maybe 24, maybe 26 years old. Uh, proper height and weight, cute little girl. Uh, an MMA fighter, 18-year-old uh, MMA fighter. Name was, uh, I'm pulling it up real quick here, Victoria Lee. She has died suddenly at the age of 18. Uh, extremely fit young athlete has died suddenly at the age of 18. And then we had the Old Dominion basketball player just a couple of days ago who, in the middle of uh, play, clutched his chest and fell onto the floor. Now, from everything I read, he was fine. He actually sat on the bench for the rest of the game and was on the bus on the way home. Uh, I can't confirm that this CTV reporter or the MMA star or the Old Dominion player, any of them were vaccinated. I can't confirm that any of them had any of these events because of the shots. It's just the fact that nobody will even look at these things uh, that is really the crime. And ultimately, I hope that we will treat it uh, as such. Now, my prediction is, this is a big one, we're going to see exactly because I think we've all been a little bit shocked by the gaslighting by the high priest of the COVID cult and the complicity of the mainstream media and the networks. If uh, things like these athletes collapsing on the field of play because the word is going around, I, I, I really wish I had some insight as to what's going on inside NFL locker rooms right now. How many of these guys are saying, I need to get my, my heart tested? Because you know that they know that this is circulating around that people are concerned that it may be these shots. I think it is going to be very hard at the NFL level or at the college level uh, to ignore this story if you think that your your life is at danger from taking a, a routine hit on the field. But if these things keep happening, what what I think they're going to have to do is suspend live sports and start going to a two- to three-hour tape delay. And that way they can just completely whitewash these events. If there's anything like this, they can cut away, they can cut the tape, and you will just be watching the game at some point on one of these tape delays where you'll come back from a commercial break and one of the players will just be gone. He'll just be missing. It won't be on the field. There won't be any explanation. You won't see any substitution, and they won't be on the bench. Christine Asher Christine Asher had tweeted this out. She said, I'm torn between, quote, I need to keep speaking out about my Pfizer injury to help others and seek justice. And, quote, this is pointless. I've been vaccine injured for two years and no one seems to care. Can't believe this is my life now. I really cannot imagine the frustration of people who have been injured by these things screaming from the top of the mountains and people either refusing to listen to them at all and the medical establishment telling them it's all in their head. That really is a, 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 that's adding insult to injury for sure. And I want to close on this, and then we're going to move on to some other things. Uh, I have a long-running fatwa against the medical establishment <laughs> here in the United States. Uh, if you've listened to my health show on Wednesdays, you understand I have zero respect for the medical system uh, in the United States, save those brave, great, courageous, skilled surgeons who put us back together after we're broken. But when it comes to actually keeping Americans healthy and happy, our medical system is a big swing and a miss. 
It's a corrupted system of a bunch of drug dealers. This is, and I just I warn you, I've had kids. They do not see a pediatrician now as they are entering young adulthood, but these are some pediatricians. Pediatricians. Uh, the, I heard on the news break that the American Academy of Pediatrics is now recommending for children that are obese, uh, not that they change their habits, not that we stop consuming this disgusting food that we're eating full of chemicals and additives and all kinds of things, uh, obesogens. No, they've decided you should start medicating your obese children, and if they're over the age of 13, gastric bypass surgery. Well, children haven't changed. The human species has not changed genetically since 30, 40 years ago. Back, Go back, and it's always talked about. Go take a look at a, a picture of the crowd at Woodstock. There are not a bunch of fat kids around Woodstock. No, it is the food that has changed. But, of course, pediatricians with the Academy of Pediatrics, they don't understand food. They don't understand nutrition. They don't study it at all. But they do understand selling drugs, so now they want you to medicate your obese children. And for those over 13, have gastric, gastric bypass surgery. Uh, these, are, these are all pediatricians you're about to hear when it comes to the shot, too. And think about, well, there's one particular statement in here that uh, I'll stop the clip for in just a second. These are medical doctor pediatricians talking about getting you to inject your child with a shot that has no long-term safety profile whatsoever, no long-term safety studies, not on a growing body, for a disease that does not affect children. These are pediatricians. Want to know what the Pete Squad thinks about the COVID vaccines for kids under five? Relief. Happiness. Excitement. Children under five will most likely be able to get their vaccines starting next week. This will make a huge difference to families who have been mitigating risk over the past two years, just trying to keep their families and loved ones safe. While it's true that most young children will not suffer from severe outcomes due to COVID, many children have. Long-term effects of COVID on growing bodies are unknown. For this Long-term effects of this shot on growing bodies are also unknown. The difference is, you may or may not get COVID, but if you jam this needle into your your arm, you're sure as hell. You're sure as hell entering the experiment. That that is one of the most. Does this doctor seriously not understand? <laughs> not understand that there's no long-term safety studies on these things? I would like to know if some money changed hands with these doctors. This reason, the benefits of vaccinating young children outweighs the risks. But which vaccine is better? Both Pfizer and Moderna induced a robust antibody response, which correlates to protection against symptomatic and severe disease. Both vaccines were found to be safe, with zero cases of myocarditis reported in either trial. So what would we choose? Basically, we're recommending any vaccine that works for your personal situation and that you can have access to. In a minute, I'm going to need a vaccination for my children to protect them. Holy cow. That's your medical establishment right there. As I say, I'd love to see, I'd like to see some bank records of these doctors. That is really, really disgusting stuff. Anyway, uh, we continue to cover it here. It's an ongoing crime. I'm not going to stop talking about it. I need your around me. I need to feel your touch. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB here in the Mack Hike of Fluid Studios. It felt a little bit this weekend like uh, Lucy pulled the ball away from us again. Uh, 
Don't know if this was another head fake. It was encouraging while it lasted. Ultimately, feels a little bit like a failure, maybe not a complete failure, but a pretty big one. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was allowed to slither over the finish line and become Speaker of the House. Uh, it was really disgusting to see the pictures of him cheering uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene with her selfie with Kevin McCarthy's one of the most disappointing things I think I've ever seen. Of course, there were a lot of these scenes, him hugging uh, Hakeem Jeffries, is that his name, uh, on the podium as he got the gavel, his just beaming pride with finally hand, handing, uh, getting the ring, the carts of champagne being toted to his office that he had moved in to. But the lobbyist went again. Now, I... I I got up a little early this morning. I wanted to hear Stephen Utraska. I texted him a couple of times. You know, he's involved with the House Freedom Caucus. He actually knows some of these guys who stood up against uh, the McCarthy speakership. And there were definitely some concessions won. We'll see if any of them actually mean anything. I admit to being a little pessimistic. And I would love to think, you know, uh, England just had a prime minister for about two weeks. That's the equivalent of their president served for about, was it two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? It was it was short. That's where the head of lettuce challenge started. Someone put a head of lettuce and said, this prime minister will not last as long as this head of lettuce. And by golly, they were right. And she was removed. And they actually put somebody worse in. That's always the danger, too. But I appreciate at least the forcing of some concessions that might, might, uh, make some actual conservative policies going forward. Of course, to a libertarian, when conservatives really fight, when conservatives really exercise power, it's almost barely noticeable at times. Now, there are some good concessions uh, in what the House Freedom Caucus fought for. More on that in just a second. But for a libertarian who does not believe that these people really have the constitutional authority to do about 95% of the things they do, uh, when conservatives win, it's, it, it's nibbling at the edges. But conservatives, fortunately for the Republican Party and people like Kevin McCarthy, they're so easy to please and pander to. If you tell them you're going to balance a budget, even if you don't, and that's after you've inflated the budget to just an obscene size, uh, conservatives will just fawn all over you. If you tell a conservative that the government will steal 2% less of your money, uh, you own a conservative for life. Tell a conservative that you let them keep their guns, but at the same time you're going to create a police state that assures that you never have a chance to use those against a totalitarian government. But just tell a conservative, we're going to let you keep your guns, but you can never use them for what the founders intended them for. And a conservative will think that they are free. You can tell a conservative, well, we're going to back off. Well, we've got real problems with this foreign aid. Well, except for Israel and Taiwan and every other country important to national, excuse me, air quotes here in the studio, national security. You tell a conservative you're against foreign aid except for every country that is deemed a national security interest uh, and a conservative will treat you like a hero. Conservatives and, and myself included in the past are like well-behaved children when their daddy is talking. We don't dare be disrespectful. Just remember, to all the Republicans and Democrats out there who still uh, 
for some reason, identify with these parties. Just remember, the mantra is, it's always the other party's fault. And I would ask everybody to repeat that after me, but this is so ingrained in the minds of partisans that there's really no need that's already captured. doesn't matter what happens. It's always the other party's fault. That's the motto of both of these uh, parties. So we will see. We'll see exactly uh, what transpires from this. If there is actually some, some budgetary, there's uh, there's a potential. We got a debt ceiling thing coming up. Uh, if these concessions mean that the debt ceiling is not going to be automatically raised, I got to tell you, I I'm going to have to see it. But what they fought for was admirable, and the way they fought, and I got to tell you, I got a tremendous amount of respect for Matt Gates. He hasn't always been my favorite as a person. But he has done some very good things over the last couple of years, and he stood up to this machine. There was a clip, a clip of somebody leaning over and whispering something to him, and Matt Gates looks like he is about to come out of his skin. It seemed it, it looked like a threat. It looked like a Republican gangster move. We did see the footage of Mike Rogers from Alabama trying to fight, trying to fight with Matt Gates towards the very end. Mike Rogers being one of these people willing to go out there. I'm sure he was, maybe he's not going to get the power he was anticipating from a McCarthy uh, speakership because the House Freedom Caucus demanded some positions and some committee assignments. Maybe Mike Rogers got screwed out of his. You know, essentially the message that I, I thought I was going to do a clip where I was would play it in the background and try to do some lip reading. I think basically Kevin McCarthy's things would, look, I have sold my soul and been as corrupt as I can be for 14 years, which perfectly made me suitable for Speaker of the House. It's my turn. He, he sold his soul to lobbyists and to special interests for 14 years. You know how many showers that guy's probably needed to take? If he has a conscience, and I doubt there is one. And so he felt like, he didn't want all of that corruption to go to waste and not get the brass ring at the very end of it. But uh, there were some people that were responsible for McCarthy being elected. I want to make sure that we give them their due. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. So we've got Kevin McCarthy. He's not conservative. He's uh, he's a political operative. Uh, he's from California. Just not conservative in any way, shape, or form. How is it that he was able to slither across? Obviously, this is the first time we've had this contested speaker's battle in, what, 100 years? It's only happened a handful of times. Did we set the record for those number of votes? I'm not sure. It took 15 votes to get uh, this guy through. So who is it? What is it? What force was behind Kevin McCarthy that got him to slither across the finish line? But I do want to especially thank uh, President Trump. I don't think you should anybody should doubt his influence. He was with me from the beginning. Somebody wrote the doubt of whether he was there, and he was all in. He would call me, and he would call others. And uh, he really was, I was just talking to him tonight, um, helping get those final votes. What he's really saying, really, for the party and the country, that we have to come together. We have to focus on the economy. We've got to focus, make our borders secure. We've got to do so much work to do, and he was a great influence to make that all happen. So 
Thank you, President Trump. So there you go. He was from it. He was Donald Trump was with this not conservative scumbag politician from the very beginning, as was Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene might have gotten a little personal power for it. Uh, Just think of it this way. Uh, Had Donald Trump gotten his way, there would be not even any of these concessions that the House Freedom Caucus demanded. Are you proud of your boy, Donald Trump? He got Kevin McCarthy elected. I loved it. There's a guy's name was Rosenberg. I'm not real familiar with him as a congressman. There's a picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to hand this Rosenberg, this holdout vote, a call from Donald Trump, and he wouldn't take the call. That guy's political career is probably in a great deal of jeopardy now. He'll be primaried. Donald Trump doesn't like it when you don't show fealty to him. Uh, but Donald Trump was able to ma- muster his political clout to make sure that Kevin McCarthy became Speaker of the House. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kevin McCarthy both say that it was truly President Trump who got Kevin the final votes that he needed to win the speakership. How much more abuse do you Trump supporters uh, need to take until you understand? And, And again, for the master of negotiation, Donald Trump, you remember the outsider. For the outsider to push the insider without any without any concessions none of these things that would be considered i would imagine america first it was um justin amash had tweeted out a a thing let me see if i can find this thing it talks about amendments on the house floor exactly uh said concentrated power has decimated the house turning legislators into actors Here's how many votes the Speaker has allowed on floor-offered, not pre-screened, amendments per year. In 2011, there were 414 House votes on amendments. In 2012, it had gone down to 153. 2013, 61. Popped back up a little bit in 2014, 2015, 96 and 94. Then in 2016, 29. And then 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22, zero. And Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene were both absolutely fine with this. Now, I will say this as well. My understanding is, and I need to research this. I just saw it this morning. My understanding is that Thomas Massey, Thomas Massey is one of the best congressmen that has probably ever served in the U.S. Congress. Thomas Massey voted for Kevin McCarthy the whole way, too, without demanding any of these concessions. Wildly disappointed in him, if that's the case. Uh, We'll see if he redeems himself to some degree by heading up this new church committee to look into the abuse of the police state against particularly conservative Americans. I hold very little faith in any of these investigations or anything. They don't we haven't seen perp walks in quite a while. I don't know if my in my lifetime I've seen you know, bureaucrats uh, perp walked, but we haven't seen a speaker's fight in 100 years either, so maybe there's something new that will come of this. We'll see. But I got to tell you, I just do not know exactly at this point what value Donald Trump, this this idea that Trump is this outsider and he pushes the insider's insider, Kevin McCarthy, doesn't demand anything of him, just immediately throws his weight behind him. And I suspect that probably what it is is that Donald Trump kind of misread the room, misread the the tenacity of these 20 people 
And, and the funny thing is, and Stephen Utroska pointed it out this morning, there's going to be a whole lot of people out there talking about all the great benefits of these concessions they got all the time that they called these 20 people troublemakers. And some of the listeners to this audience, I mean, to, the, to this, this station, were immediately ready to give up. Within maybe one vote where Kevin McCarthy was not ushered in on a red carpet, there were people saying, oh, they got to knock it off. These people, they're harming our credibility. Just all oh, this whining. These are not people you want in your fight. These are the same people who said they're ready to fight the Civil War, but they couldn't handle a little bit of uh, the media clutching their pearls about this process. Even though you know exactly how corrupt Washington, D.C. in the legislative process is, you just couldn't stand it. We need to give it to McCarthy. This is not looking good. I guess maybe these people took their orders uh, from Donald Trump, who said, knock it off. It's, uh, it's impressive what these 20 people were able to accomplish. Uh, we'll just see if it actually yields anything. This is my problem with it. It felt a little bit like Lucy pulling the football away again. To see Kevin McCarthy smiling with the gavel and ushering champagne into his office was about all I could take this weekend. I'll be back in a minute. I see the shadows on my face. People have told me I don't look the same. Maybe I lost weight. I'm playing hooky. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB, here in the Mac Hike of Flowwood Studios. Uh, Rick called me during the break, said I was too black pilled about this. I've said, I mean, I really admire what these guys did in the House Freedom Caucus. They stood up under a great deal of pressure. I can only imagine the pressure that Matt Gates was under. You understand you're dealing with a political mafia in Washington, D.C. These people are corrupt to the core. We know about the Clinton body count and all that stuff. Now, she's, she's one of the OGs. There's no doubt about it. But these are some slimy, dishonest, amoral people up in Washington, D.C. at the very top of both of these parties. And for Matt Gates to stand up against that and take all the slings and arrows of conservative talk show hosts calling him a troublemaker and a bunch of, a bunch of hysterical Republicans saying, please don't do this, you're making us look bad. I think it's a tremendous accomplishment for them to get the concessions that they did. I'm just cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> I'd like to be optimistic, but, you know, they haven't had a speaker's challenge in 100 years like that. Maybe this is going to be something different. Maybe the debt ceiling talks this time will be something different. That's one of the concessions. They're not just going to rubber stamp more spending increases. And this is my great mystification. Is that a word? about why people will follow Trump anywhere he goes. Trump wanted to rubber stamp one of the most establishment politicos uh, in Washington, D.C. as Speaker of the House. Just wanted him just to just glide on in. These guys, and many of them, are Trump supporters themselves, but they stood up even against the great Donald Trump. For a guy that talks about being such a great negotiator, he didn't demand anything. And it's because, as I keep telling you, Donald Trump has no core beliefs. You know, I think it's very telling, too. And I know people don't like to hear this. I, I don't care. I'm going to save my piece. You, you, you go to the primaries. You go to whatever you vote. You take all the things you've heard and you make your own decision. I'm, I'm not putting a dent uh, nationally in Trump's popularity. I just don't get it anymore, particularly after the clot shots. 
in 2020 that we lived through with Anthony Fauci and the emergency orders that shut down the entire country. I don't know why I'm supposed to ignore that. But anyway, uh, they talk about what do they say something like character is doing what's right when nobody's looking. And I think it says a lot about uh, D- Donald Trump is America first, that he made a lot of his products in China when he was selling ties and other things. That's the kind of thing when he's not in political office, when he's not in front of everybody. Why did he not employ Americans, good, hardworking American manufacturing when he was making his own stuff? Uh, for an American first guy, almost feels like this was a little bit of marketing, a little bit of pandering, a little bit of uh, <clears throat> window dressing. I'm just saying. And yes, I voted for Donald Trump in 2016, not again in 2020. He he. He filled the swamp with alligators. Anyway, uh, we'll see. It, it is encouraging what's just happened, and we'll see. It's, it's just I, I, it's hard to watch Kevin McCarthy be rewarded. The only thing that I that I think I can cling to is the fact that he may be so un. This may make his job so much harder. He's got to somehow somehow live up to all the promises he's made to all of his lobbyists and special interest buddies that have been flooding him with cash. He's got to try to do that. At the same time, he's got to walk around the minefield that is the Freedom Caucus that will step in front of other issues, too, and possibly move to recall him, to vacate the chair. So I do like the fact that his job is not going to be near as fun as he thought it was going to be originally, uh, unless he just somehow runs roughshod over the House Freedom Caucus. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand the legislative process enough and also don't know how much the Senate plays in these things. How many of the promises that the the House is making now that they have the Republican majority, how many things can they deliver on when you've got a real establishment Senate? So we'll see. There is a benefit to having Republicans. Uh, this is one thing. If you want me to start looking at some of the positives... Uh, I can do that, and as much as I hate to hear these words coming out of this particular man's mouth, Kevin McCarthy, uh, at least the words are being spoken. Let me get to this clip. Where in the world is my mouse? There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is Kevin McCarthy, and this is one of the most important things uh, and, w- and why I was cheering for a red wave in the first place. I know the night is late, but when we come back, our very first bill will repeal the funding for 87,000 new hours. You see, we believe government should be to help you, not go after you. Well, if that's the case, Kevin McCarthy, and to all the Republicans out there, uh, what do they say? What, what do you call a, an attorney at the bottom of the ocean? A good start? <laughs> Something like that. There's some great attorneys, I'm telling you. They may save us all when it comes to the shots and some other stuff, too. I'm not as down on attorneys as, as many people are. But uh, if uh, what do you call defunding 87,000 IRS agents? A good start. Why don't you get rid of the rest of them? The fact that the United States, with our Constitution, has a body that involuntarily, against the will of the American people, takes money away from them, and if you go crossways with them, you have to, they they flip jurisprudence on its head, and with the IRS, you have to prove yourself innocent. You are assumed guilty when it comes to the IRS. You have to go, and to great expense, 
you have to go prove yourself innocent to this body. So I, I applaud now, stopping this IRS, there was another headline, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, that says that the vast majority of IRS actions have been against working class people, not against the wealthy. This is during the Biden administration and Republican administrations. The IRS should be completely disfunded, uh, defunded and disbanded uh, immediately. For those of you out there championing a fair tax or a flat tax, I continue to appeal to you, quit being a sheep to be shorn this government gets trillions of dollars from things other than individual income taxes. And if you want to see the economy flourish, just imagine if everybody took home what they actually earned. Can you imagine what that would do to small businesses? It would be amazing. But anyway, I'll, I'll give them credit for this. If they do this again, I'm not sure where the Senate falls in this. Can the House? They do control the purse strings. Can they strip this funding all by themselves? I'm assuming maybe that's uh, what that means. Uh, one other story here, too. While I'm doing a little bit of Trump bashing here, just to tell you, I don't believe the man has any core beliefs, and you should not follow him another two years, and then four years. Uh, it'll take till what, what would that be, 2028, before conservatives wake up and go, oh, crap, boy, we just wasted uh, 12 years waiting on this man to deliver. Um, Donald Trump's uh, bump stock ban was struck down. Here's what, a tweet that Donald Trump sent out on March 23rd of 2018 does not sound like a real pro-Second Amendment stance, but maybe I'm missing something. Trump tweeted out, Obama administration legalized bump stocks. All caps, bad idea. As I promised today, the Department of Justice will issue the rule banning bump stocks with a mandated comment period. We will ban, all caps, all devices that turn legal weapons into illegal machine guns. Now, what's interesting about that, uh, according to Spike Cohen, he says the ATF didn't even want to ban bump stocks. The ATF had held for years that bump stocks didn't make guns into machine guns. Trump pressed them to reverse course and rule that they did. Trump is worse than the ATF. That's what Spike Cohen uh, tweeted out. But that has been overturned. I remember a lot of uh, Second Amendment people, again, there was a lot of justification of all of Trump's actions. Oh, we don't really care. Nobody really uses them. That's not a big deal. Uh, shall not be infringed. It, it's in there somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's still in there when it comes to the Second Amendment. Shall not be infringed. This guy has no core beliefs. The sooner people realize that, the better. Be right back. I found this article about, uh, this was on Reason Magazine, it was talking about, uh, there was a report released from Syracuse, Syracuse University's Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse. They released data provided to it by the IRS on audits performed by the agency in fiscal year 2022. This is during the Biden presidency, you know, Joe Biden, the one that loves all the little people out there, he tells you constantly. Says, quote, the taxpayer class with unbelievably high audit rates, five and a half times virtually everyone else, were low-income wage earners taking the, urged, uh, the earned income tax credit. Noting that the poorest taxpayers are, quote, easy marks in an era when IRS increasingly relies upon correspondence audits, yet doesn't have the resources to assist taxpayers or answer their questions. In fact, quote, 
If one ignores the action of auditing a, a multimillionaire through simply sending a letter through the mail, the odds are that millionaires received a regular audit by revenue uh, agent with 1.1%. was actually less than the audit rate of the uh, targeted lowest income wage earners whose audit rate was 1.27%. So it's good that they've struck down these extra agents, but the job is not done and this is the problem with the Republican Party. They will not be honest with their people. And I, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why conservatives, constitutional conservatives, act like a tax cut is all they can do. Cutting your taxes by 3%. That's it. That's all you demand of them. As I've said, conservatives are to the Republican Party what minority communities are to the Democratic Party. They just know they can get you and abuse you however they want to. You'll keep voting for them. I am... Um, I love history stuff. And what we know now about the media and the agendas of, well, damn near everybody at this point, it is so hard to find objective takes on the news and on history. I bring this up. I, was, I have been looking for a good documentary or a good book about the fall of the Soviet Union and what happened over the 10 years following the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, for one reason, I think it would probably be a very fascinating story to really understand what went on there. And I think people really, I don't think they quite understand the importance of that and a, a bit of a precedence, because I believe we're going to go through something very similar. Now, I am afraid in this country, particularly after the past couple of years, to watch the obedience of the American people when their government comes and tells them to stay home, to shut their businesses, to shut their church, to mask their children. There was a tremendous amount of obedience, and those who actually rebelled against it uh, really didn't do anything about it. I mean, the fact that you can't get 30 parents to a school board meeting when they are masking your children for no effect, didn't have any basis in science or in anything, and it was actually bad for your children socially, developmentally, physically, mentally. You couldn't get 30 parents to a school board meeting most times to get the mask off the kids. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned that our fall, where Russia's fall or the Soviet Union's collapse led to a freer Russia, not a perfect place, certainly plenty of corruption uh, in Russia and particularly in the 10 years after the fall, but they did emerge a little freer. I'm a little scared we're going to take the other path. We've got way too much obedience in this country. But I just want to know exactly what happened. And I was listening to a podcast. There's a, it's entertaining. It's well told. It's called a Mister uh, American History Tellers. And I was listening to one of these podcasts, and it was about the FBI versus uh, Steve Cohen with, uh, he, he was a hedge fund guy, SAC Capital, I believe it was. And I was I was listening to this thing. I'm fascinated by the fin financial crimes. Great movie, Margin Call, The Big Short. I, I, You know, I'm an economics nerd. I'm a politics nerd. And so I like these things when they kind of coalesce and we see the financial crises uh, stuff. I just recently watched the Netflix has a new uh, documentary about Madoff where they go through exactly what took place. And boy, do you want to see how inept and incompetent your federal government is? The SEC is to Wall Street what the FDA is to Big Pharma. 
they're just enabling. It's it's just they they put together these agencies to go, hey, don't worry, we're going to protect you and make sure we're the regulators. We're going to make sure that they abide by the rules and everything is done for the benefit of the people here. Uh, SEC is the same thing that the FDA is. The FDA is just a pharmaceutical sales organization. That has nothing to do with protecting Americans' health. You can see that more, more, more obviously in the past couple of years than at any time. I've been pointing it out for six years. 15 years to anybody who knows me personally, <laughs> but six years uh, here on the air. But it was fascinating to watch how the SEC was warned over and over and over and over and over again about Bernie Madoff. And they, they would call him. Hey, Bernie, somebody says you're running a hedge fund there that's unregistered and they don't understand how you're getting your returns. And he goes, I'm not running a hedge fund. And they go, OK, okie dokie. Close the case. In one particular instance, and I've heard this many times, Bernie Madoff was approached by the SEC. They were going to do an investigation of him. So he said, you know, I'm going to get out in front of this. He called them and said, I'm going to go to the SEC offices. He said he sat down. He said, ask me any questions you want to ask me. And they said, you know, well, this is some of the stuff we'd need to see if we come do an audit. They There's a the DT, D, DTC, something. It's, it's the clearinghouse where you clear all of your trades. If you're running a hedge fund or an investment uh, group and you, you have an account there, it would show all of your money moving into this account, buying a stock, uh, money selling a stock, the money moving back out into you. There's this one thing. All the SEC had to do was go and look and see he didn't even have an account with this group. He had the stones. He walked into the SEC office. They said, well, we're going to need, need to see your DTC transaction reports. And he said, OK, well, here's here's the number. And He just scribbled down a number on a Post-it note and said, here's my account. You can check it there. They didn't even check it. They took the Post-it. And they didn't even look if they had just made it. Seriously, it would have taken less than five minutes to call DTC or do their online research at the SEC and find out, oh, my God, this guy doesn't even have a trading account. He's giving us these long list of trades he says he made. He doesn't even have an account. They could have they could have shut him down in a day. And this was as far back as the late 1990s when it first became apparent to a lot of investment professionals it was a fraud. I just say that to say this is your government in action. But I was listening to this American history tellers thing about the this battle with SAC for insider trading. And then I heard in the middle of this thing they were talking about uh, what's the guy's name is one of the big muckety mucks in the New York Department of Justice office there. And, you know, I'm, I'm entertained by, <clears throat> entertained by this podcast because the story's interesting, them going against a hedge fund guy. The hedge fund guy was doing, you know, he's a Wall Street scumbag. And they were going after him. And the, then all of a sudden this history thing goes, uh, the Prahad, uh, uh, I'm spacing on some names now. I did remember the earlier name. I was uh, It was um, Escobar. I was trying to think of the other big drug cartel's name, and it couldn't come to me. It was uh, Pablo Escobar. They took down Escobar. Next thing you know, it was El Chapo. There's always somebody there. The drug war is just a massive, complete failure. Um, but they uh, they were talking about this this guy with the Department of Justice that was prosecuting this hedge fund, and they said he looked out his window and looked at the Capitol and was just reminding himself of the great american justice system where they fight for truth and fairness for all <laughs> and i was it like a lot of times i listen to these things as i'm falling asleep and i was like it just jerked me awake i was like oh my god 
I can't even go. I can't even listen to a history podcast without hearing just horrible propaganda. We all know there's a two-tiered justice system uh, in this country. A lot of the Bernie Madoff stuff uh, implicated J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan was housing Bernie Madoff's ill-gotten gains for, I think, decades. They saw this account that just had all this money coming in and out. There were no trades. There was nothing. There were billions and billions of dollars. And I talked about this before. J.P. Morgan knows when they've got an account with a few billion dollars in it. This wasn't that they just didn't look or didn't notice. J.P. Morgan is a big bank. But they noticed that they had an account that had $7 billion in it. If you understand banking, that's an important banking relationship. All they had to do was look in there, and they would have known what he was up to. And the suspicion was, oh, they certainly knew what he was up to. Did anybody go to jail with J.P. Morgan? Absolutely not. They paid a fine, like they always do. This documentary last night was saying they've paid like five fines for massive financial crimes just in the past few years. Nobody ever goes to jail. Nobody ever gets into trouble. They just pay a fine. As I've said, I'd like to know where these fines are going because we see keep collecting more and more money at the federal level, how much of it's actually coming from these things. But anyway, uh, you just cannot trust anything that you that you read or you look at. I just want to find out what happened in the Soviet Union. But I know I know if I get a, a, a typical American author, it's full of property, it's going to tell us, you know, horrible things about the new Russia. And some of them may be true, but at this point, you just can't trust it. And I did a podcast long before I even came on air. It was called History is Not Really History. And it's true because all of it is so clouded with propaganda and talking points. Now, here's one of these things <clears throat> That's like this. And I've talked about this before during the Trump administration. The Drudge Report ran a big headline that said record number of Americans employed. I believe it was under a picture. When I clip these things, I'll clip headlines. Uh, but I believe the picture above it was a big, smiling Joe Biden. I don't know what's happened to the Drudge Report. That would be a, that, actually that would be a pretty fascinating story to know too. How Drudge is taking this bizarro turn towards establishment left. For, it used to be the darling of conservatives. Uh, it has taken a hard left turn uh, at the Drudge Report. But under a picture of a smiling Joe Biden, it says record number of Americans employed. And I pointed this out. Unfortunately, this is not just a phenomenon of Joe Biden crowing about these things. I talked about this many times as Donald Trump took to the stage or to the campaign trail and constantly said, there's a record number of Americans employed. And I have pointed to the charts that show you the number of people in the United States working. It goes up all the time. Why? Anyone? Anyone? Population growth. This is just always drives me insane. This is such easy propaganda to unpeel. Of course, there's more people working than ever before. Now, so there are dips in this. Sometimes job losses actually go faster than population growth does. But over any period of time, over any presidential administration, there are more people being born. And of course, in this country with people, senior citizens, not able to retire like they'd like to because, because the government strips you of a third of your wealth every single year of your working life, so you're forced to work well into your senior years. But 
record number of Americans employed. And as I said, this is Joe Biden is out crowing about this. The media is talking about it. But it is exactly the same thing that happened under Donald Trump, where he went out there and said, it's the most most number of Americans ever working. And I pointed it out the time because I do not fall in love with politicians when they tell you something to just pander. Uh, That's exactly what it is. I guess I'll take a break here and then come back. There is one thing from the House Freedom Caucus. This would be interesting. They are making one proposal that is a long time coming, and this may show me that they they are actually earnest, honest people on the House Freedom Caucus if they have made this demand. Again, I'm not holding my breath, but we'll see. I'll be do that when we come back. Stick around. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WIAB here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Studios. Here is something that I find quite amazing. <clears throat> this would be a white pill for me, would certainly make me happy, because I'm hoping this means this is where a lot of Republicans are these days, finally. There is a story out of Bloomberg. It says the emerging deal Kevin McCarthy is discussing to make him House Speaker would propose a roughly $75 billion cut in defense spending. The House Freedom Caucus, one of their demands is to stop this endless military spending. If that is the case... If Republicans have finally woken up to the scam that is these endless defense budgets, that is a white pill moment for me. Welcome aboard. I'm so happy. Now, what you're going to hear should this bubble up somewhere and they say you're proposing this big cut, get ready for a lot of conservative talk show hosts, your mainstream political class, Roger Wicker types, are going to come out and tell you, in this time of unprecedented threats, and they will cite Russia and China, of course, this is no time to be cutting defense spending. Now, of course, they have raised defense spending even in times of peace. You know, every 20 years they give us eight months of peace. Soviet Union falls, eight months later we're in Iraq. So we get this eight months where they start talking about a peace dividend. I don't even think they use that term anymore. But they were talking, you know, the Cold War is over. Now we'll have a peace dividend. We'll get to save a bunch of cash. Eight months later, H.W. Bush has got us in Iraq. We get out of Afghanistan. We should be enjoying a peace dividend for ending that 20-year war. Uh, Eight months later, we're at war with Russia and a proxy war in Ukraine. So get ready. Steal yourself for the relentless assault from conservative, air quotes here in the studio, conservative talking heads who tell you that this is just not the time we face these. And they're going to use this term. My prediction is unprecedented threats to our national security. Because they've taught conservatives and Republicans uh, to always stand down when the term national it's, it's like a hypnotist trick. You can be as conservative as you want to be. You can be for small, limited government. You can quote the Founding Fathers, but when one of these people come out and they say the words national security, your eyes turn into those little pinwheels. And you say, okay, 
Everything is justified. They said national security, time to invade another country. They said national security, time to raise a budget. They said national security, time to time to send our warships into the Strait of Taiwan. They said national it's just it's been it's Pavlovian on the right, but maybe that is turning around. If they do a seventy I don't know I have ever lived to see defense spending actually go backwards. Maybe during some of this sequester stuff during the Obama administration, there might have been a small dip, but it wasn't a coordinated, announced, we want to cut defense spending. Get ready also for the defense contractors to flood money into challengers, primary challengers of uh, House Freedom Caucus members. It will be all hands on deck. This is one thing you don't touch. You don't touch big pharma in this country, and you don't touch defense industry in this country. I believe John Kennedy might have learned that lesson on a day in 1963. So we will see, but I'm ho- what I'm hoping is I'm choosing. I'm choosing to believe that Republicans and conservatives are also finally sick of, now it's, what, $858 billion, and that's before all the three-letter agencies that are supposedly, air quotes here in the studio, National Security, Department of Homeland Security. And this is, again, this is the empire that largely Republicans have built. So if you are finally starting to do a bit of a U-turn on that, that is incredibly promising. It's extremely encouraging, too. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back. I've got a couple of odd stories here. I'm going to be the only person in the world to connect these two. I saw a headline, Sinaloa cartel deploy child soldiers as they prepare for war over Chapo arrest of the uh, arrested son. So I guess they didn't kill him. They arrested El Chapo's son. And so now the Sinaloa cartel has deployed child soldiers and this weekend i was getting some images from ukraine guess what the ukrainian army is using these days child soldiers you can probably go online and find some of these incredibly heartbreaking images of young boys you can see they have never had a day that they woke up and needed to shave it's not a lick of hair on these kids faces where they don oversized helmets and uniforms that are too big for them, guns that are too big for them, and they're giving a thumbs up as they are being sent off to war in Ukraine. Roger Wicker, fine, to fight to the last Ukrainian. They are using child soldiers in the Ukrainian army now. So the Sinaloa cartel will use child soldiers. The Ukrainian army will use child soldiers. So here's my question for you. You can call me during the break. I want to tease this. I feel like I should leave this one out there a couple of days because it's kind of a fun one, and I don't think anyone would get it, but somebody might. Uh, What is the similarity? What is the common denominator between the Sinaloa cartel, who uses child soldiers, and the Ukrainian government that is now using child soldiers? There's one common thread that runs between both. I'll let you think on that. You can call me during the break or when I first come back because I'm going to get to it fairly quickly. If anyone can answer that question, big bonus points for you. I'll be right back. All right, final segment for the day. Uh, 
I love the internet. I think it is just one of the greatest things ever. It should free our minds. We should be so much more intelligent. We've got such access to information. We're not using it right. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It's not It's not working the way it really should be working. Um, I love the internet, except that you cannot ask people questions anymore unless you're standing with them to see if they have any knowledge. Because all it takes is a G word search. I don't use that company's name on this air. I tell you to do an internet search. I think people need to understand the evil that is the G company and quit telling people to go out and G something. Tell them to do an internet search. Same tip I've given you. If you do not want to empower that Silicon Valley G company, then when you search for something, don't click on the top three or four listings that show sponsored or ad. You're giving them money. If you scroll down, like if you're looking for a company, the first listing is like an ad for them. If you click on that, you give the G company money. If you scroll down two or three listings, you're going to find exactly the same web page, but you don't have to give the G company any money. But it's impossible to, to play kind of trivia games with anybody unless you're standing right next to them because everybody will go to their phones. You can look up anything. I love to play with uh, younger people because the golden age of music for me was the 80s and the 90s. And our poor kids now, music today, just not what it used to be, as every old generation <laughs> says. And I try to play games with kids. I give you a dollar if you can tell me who sings this song, who's the lead singer, who's the drummer, these kinds of things. I rarely have to pay out because they don't understand good rock and roll. The other day I asked a group of kids, there's a song playing. I said, I'll give you a dollar if you can tell me what band this is and another dollar if you can tell me who the lead singer is. And this girl came, and she's a young girl, she's 16, 17 years old. She goes, that's Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I gave her a dollar. I said, good, I'm glad you know some good rock and roll. I didn't realize she was wearing an Apple Watch. She conned me, and I, it hit me about two minutes later, and I said, did you get me? And she just smiled. Do you want your dollar back? I said, no, I respect the game. But you can't ask these questions of people and assume that they actually know these things if they can do an Internet search for it. So my question is a good one because you can't search this. No one on the Internet is going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. You're never going to phrase it this way. So my question is, the Sinaloa drug cartel down in Mexico is deploying child soldiers as they prepare for war over uh, El Chapo's arrested son. I told you I've seen images now of the Ukrainians who are now employing child soldiers, kids who have never shaved, in oversized helmets and oversized uniforms with oversized guns. This is what uh, we have thrown our lot in with. But there's one particular thing, and uh, Sean and Rick both called uh, during the break, and they got this immediately. What is the common denominator between the Sinaloa drug cartel and the Ukrainian army? And that answer is, anyone, anyone, the U.S. government, and most particularly, an extra bonus point if you can name the actual agency, that is your central intelligence agency. The CIA funds and supports both the Ukrainian government that is employing child soldiers and, that's right, the Sinaloa drug cartel down in Mexico. Now, most people don't know that. I have probably talked about it two or three times over the years on my show. But I did do about a three-minute search online just to make sure I could bring the receipts to explain this to you. This is from August of 2011. 
the Central Intelligence Agency was intimately involved with the federal government's infamous Operation Fast and Furious scheme to send American weapons to Mexican drug cartels while simultaneously working with other agencies allowing narcotics to be shipped over the border, according to a series of explosive reports. Citing an unnamed CIA source, a Washington Times article theorizes that U.S. officials were actively aiding organizations such as the Sinaloa Cartel with guns and immunity in an effort to stymie Los Zetas. That's because, according to the piece, the powerful and brutal criminal Zetas syndicate has the potential to overthrow the government of Mexico and might be planning to do so. Apparently, the secretive U.S. intelligence agency also played a key role in creating and using the American government's gun-running program to arm certain criminal organizations. The scheme, which has already been uh, implicated in countless deaths, including the murders of several U.S. and Mexican law enforcement officials, saw thousands of high-powered American guns delivered to multiple cartels. There was a deal struck back, uh, there was this war, and this is show in 2011, that's probably pretty accurate of the time frame that I first came aware of this. There was a war between the Los Zetas and the Sinaloa cartel, and the CIA and their infinite wisdom threw in with the Sinaloa drug cartel, providing them weapons, probably intelligence, may have had some spooks on the ground, actually, in the drug battle between cartels down there. And then they come to the United States, and your local law enforcement finds somebody with a bag of weed on them and puts them into a cage. Our own CIA, our own government, well-known through the work of Gary Webb, before he shot himself in the head twice to commit suicide, that's right, Gary Webb with the, I think it was the San Jose Mercury News, he broke the story about the CIA actually helping uh, drug, drug cartels run crack cocaine into inner city communities here in the United States, decimating these communities. Our own government was involved in that. Of course, he ran these stories, and uh, then the pressure, I guess, was so intense that he committed suicide by shooting himself in the head twice. Um, but your own government funding these things. So we've got the CIA funding child soldiers. Some of these child soldiers for the Sinaloa drug cartel in Mexico may be carrying weapons provided to them by the U.S. federal government and the CIA. And this is another one of these bright, shining moments to me. If, if Republicans are finally fed up with this endless military spending, understanding that we can't afford it, that these wars are unnecessary, that war with Russia is ill-advised. And of course, unfortunately, I don't know who I'm talking to here in Mississippi. You're going to send Roger Wicker back to Washington, D.C. if he wants to go. Rumor is he's going to step down and they're going to do the Mississippi shuffle and uh, appoint somebody to his seat so they can run as an incumbent. Uh, here's one thing. I'll diverge from this a second. There was one thing I saw that was very interesting that the House Freedom Caucus did demand, apparently. I'll see if I can accurately describe this, but uh, Kevin McCarthy has this big pack. Basically, this is the Trump-backed Kevin McCarthy. Every time there was an American first candidate out there that was challenging some establishment Republican, uh, Kevin McCarthy would fund the establishment Republicans' campaign to thwart 
the upstart, freedom-loving, America-first candidate. So Kevin McCarthy was actively trying to keep America-first candidates out of Congress. And for some reason, Trump endorsed him. Strange. Isn't that, isn't that, is that not weird to anybody else? I know I'm supposed to ignore it. But anyway, uh, one of the House Freedom Caucus things, uh, I believe, is that in states where they believe that it's a, it's a red district known to vote for a Republican, that Kevin McCarthy's little, oh, I forget the name of this thing, uh, his pack will stay out of the races. Jameson did a good job, I think, on Friday or sometime last week of explaining that this, is, this was Kevin McCarthy's pack that funded uh, Michael Guest against Michael Cassidy. As soon as there was something close, they couldn't let Mississippi voters just decide based on records or anything like that. What Kevin McCarthy came in and said, no, Michael Guest does our bidding. I want to keep that guy. And so we flooded, I think Jameson mentioned, $350,000 into Michael Guest's campaign. I think that number's correct. I may be wrong. But anyway, the House Freedom Caucus said, you guys got to stop messing around in these primary campaigns uh, in these red districts. So that would be something. But uh, conservatives would be well well served to start seeing this. I mean, I, they're going to start investigating the FBI's involvement on January 6th uh, in the tech censorship. But, boy, there's a lot of work to do to untangle all of these agencies and the evil they have been up to. Right now, I'm explaining to you, the CIA has been funding and supporting uh, organizations that hire child soldiers. Before I came on air today, I swear, I think I was just about to tear up. This is really going to be I'm I'm anti-war. I have been since the day I got on air. I have been ever since 2004 when I kind of woke up to it. And I think the tragedies of people having their lives destroyed by these endless wars is just absolutely horrific. But I ran across a video of a dog, this dog that ran up to some people in this bombed-out area of Ukraine, and I swear I just about had a tear. I love dogs so much. Will that change your mind about war? Dogs are killed too. Dogs and kittens also die in these wars. Maybe that will perk people up. Anyway, uh they can start investigating the FBI for all of their malfeasance, but that's not the last three-letter agency that I hope the Republicans and particularly the Freedom Caucus goes after. There's a long laundry list. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how-